Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. Be aware, three weeks ago, we released the advanced course, Theory of DFS for Advanced Players. It's six more hours of audio. Uh, I would suggest listening to the first one uh, before you do this one, and it also comes with uh, seven to eight, I mean, they're, they're broken up, tools for Excel, efficiency tools, accuracy tools that you could use with your projections, your ownership, and everything. Predict dupes, uh, analyze your contests and everything. So uh, so go to theoryofdfs.com, pick that up, joined as, as always, as mostly. Uh, now that it's NFL season, we're on a weekly schedule. Just after week two of NFL, Neil, uh, I, I lost yesterday. I didn't do badly in GPPs, not a top 1% finishes, but I cashed a lot of GPP lineups. I played 18 lineups, so I'm playing mostly single-entry 3-max type contests, like the Spies and the Power Sweeps, where it's still like 5,000 entries. Some are like 1,000. And then I, I do throw them in the Millie Maker only because there's so many bad lineups in there that they're not the highest EV lineups, but they're probably profitable. Uh... Cash games, uh, D- DK, I didn't play the Amon Ra St. Brown lineup, so I did lose. I did play Amon, Brown, uh, Amon Ra Brown on FanDuel, but I also played Jerry Judy on FanDuel, so I didn't profit there. Uh, I, I didn't, it wasn't like a minus 90% day, but it was a it was a losing day. But compared to like other a lot of other weeks where I lose, I take a look at the lineups that I built, those 18 lineups that I built, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like saying I made a mistake. Like I, I look at that most of the time. I look at them and I go, "Yeah, I think I made so, I made a mistake there. Maybe I shouldn't have done this and I shouldn't have done that." Not based on the outcomes, but just based on well, let's look at the ownership. Let's look at you know I should have thought more about this. I look at those 18 lineups and go, "I'm I, I I got a lot of I was over if you want to call it over for 18 players on." Outside of the game stack of Dolphins Ravens, like my process wise, it's like I got to I got to the right const- see the thing is I got to the right construction, just not all of the right players. So like and also in my 18 lineups, I spread out my stack exposure. So like I did have one Tua lineup, I did have one Lamar lineup, I did have Tyreek Hill in two other lineups, I did had have Mark Andrew in three, Andrews in three lineups. Uh, so like I I had my number one my number one exposed uh, play, the two most exposed players I had, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown and Ashton Doolin. You say that they're the two highest owned players you had? The highest exposed. Highest exposed. Right. Highest exposed. Like, I had I, uh, St. Brown in seven of my 18 and Doolin in seven of my 18. Uh, so I take a look at, like, the constructed lineups, how they look. And then I look at, like, the top 1% of lineups. It's like, mm-hmm. it's re- really just replacing the stack with the Miami stack. And it the, the salaries end up fitting out and the positions fit out well. So I felt like I was on the on the right path, and the fact that I I think I cashed ten out of eighteen lineups, uh, but of course one point five x two x type of thing. So I still lost a little money in GPP yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I just I, I felt like like no I'm 
I think I I think I I think I did everything right. If if it wasn't for the fact that one game just totally blew the to- the doors off, like it just ruins. Like I can't like I have two lineups that are live, and the rest are just like that. Well, like I can't even can't even consider them. And on another yeah. slate where maybe some of the stacks kind of even each other out, the line of construction, like I avoided, basically I avoided paying up for anyone. I built okay. balanced so builds. You, okay. Is, is that what you mean by your construction was correct, that you built very balanced builds? Right. That I, 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 I think of the players. Right. Like I, I, not, I mean, I still played, like I still had Adams in a couple of lineups. I still had Cup in two lineups. I had McCaffrey in a lineup or two, but I didn't have any Jonathan Taylor. I didn't have any, uh, like, any anyone was like 8K or above. Like, I just, I I was playing mostly people in the 6K range. Uh, so that's why I had a lot of Amon where I say brand. And it was primarily due to uh, the tools. Due to, yep. and I could have gotten there probably by by ownership, but I'm, I'm using, using, a combinatorial analysis. Basically, I just went around the industry and just grabbed projections everywhere. And I did it. I did it Friday, but then I had to redo it again because the Julio Jones news and we had some some stuff going on. So I reran it, and I'm like, okay, what will, what will cash lineups look like? What will like two v twos off of three v threes off of cash lineups look like? That's for like single entry stuff. And I just keep on grouping out these players to like a max of two or max of one, a max of three. And then just running aggregated projections and like, okay, what lineups share the least players to each other, right? That Mm -hmm. are connected less to each other. And just so happened that I had to like, I got Amon Ross St. Brown, Cortland Sutton, Christian Kirk, Curtis Samuel. So like, even though we take a look at like, I'm looking at the, the, the Millie exposure, the Millie uh, ownership, which is not necessarily fully representative. Like you would think like, oh, I'm on Ross A. Brown, 19.7%. He's the third highest on wide receiver. Like, wouldn't you be under on him? It's like, whenever you talk in terms like that, you're not comparing the specific lineups. Yeah, if you were playing a Barkley, Cincinnati, uh, Devontae Adams, Greg Dortch lineup, like, yeah, it would be awful, probably awful for you to play a ton of Amon Ross St. Brown in those lineups. In my Tua, Chase Edmonds, Tyreek Hill, Mark Andrews, DJ right. Moore, Allen Robinson lineup, like like that, like with with a with a three percent owned defense, like yeah, I'm on Rob, I'm on Ross St. Brown plus Curtis Samuel as a as a is perfectly yeah. fine in that in that lineup makes sense in that lineup, yep, right. So I was getting that I got I got some Evans, right? That six K range is what I was getting like the most of in those types of lineups and, and the, the, the quote chalk. And we'll talk about, we'll talk about this in a little bit. Cause I want to get what, what, uh, what happened with you on the slate is that I was getting, I was still getting a lot of Saquon Barkley mm-hmm. and I was still getting a lot of one other thing. And we'll talk about that afterwards. But, uh, okay. uh, wow. How, how did your, I, I look at your exposures, uh, just from a portfolio standpoint, on the Millie, I'm assuming you you didn't do well yesterday. I didn't do well yesterday. <laughs> that is that is very correct. Yeah, it was a it was a rough day for me. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I sort by ownership, so I just pulled up my exposures next to the field in the large field Millie, and on the first like page, the first screen I see, I don't see myself as green, which would indicate that I have 
I'm overexposed to the player on any player above 12.8% above. Uh, the first player that I see is I, I, I'm a little bit over the field on a couple of guys above there, I think. Um, but the first player that I am significantly above the field on is Daryl Henderson at 5,700 came in at just 11.9% ownership. I thought that was going to be higher, um, but so I'm happy to be above the field at 20% there. But uh, yeah, you look at the the players that uh, were very highly owned, and I am well under the field on most of them. And I'm trying to look at, trying to find their projections here, because uh, most of them actually didn't do all that great. Right. I'd say uh, on results DB, I'm looking there instead of lineup rewind. Uh the highest leverage players that you had, basically your ownership versus the field, were McCaffrey, Miami defense, Josh Jacobs, Mark Andrews, Detroit defense, and then you have Ben Skrowanek and Ramondre Stevenson. And then yet Henderson's yeah. up there also. Yeah. Yeah, so I... There were, man, the, I felt so much better in the beginning part of this slate. It felt okay. Carson Wentz was failing pretty hard. It was like, man, he got steamed up so high. I couldn't believe Carson Wentz's uh, ownership, what it ended up at. Because Carson Wentz, I mean, not a great quarterback. He was bad all offseason. He had one good week in week one, and then he got steamed up. Uh, so I was really happy to be under the field. And then, of course, that game kind of ended up blowing up, and he did really well in the end. Uh, Greg Dortch, another guy that I was a little bit under the field on, not significant. I was still double digits, Greg Dortch, uh, in part because, you know, Alex said that he liked him and, uh, I, I was concerned that he was going to get steamed up too much. He got up to 21.3%, which is probably higher than he should have been. But, uh, I was a little bit under the field there. And of course, he what, had, what, what, zero. would it shock you that Wentz and Goff, that game, I, I had a lot of, uh, I mean, if you're playing mid-range plays, uh, it wouldn't shock me. Right, um, but that's the, also, that's the main reason. Like, like we're talking two different levels of thing here. Like, yeah. I've been experimenting more. Now, I, all I do is, both of us use blunt methodologies, yeah. right? We're not running computer simulations. We're using computer sim outputs, right? And we're putting in, and we're trying to build liners with certain balances in them. Uh in the past, I focused more on like ownership sum or ownership product yeah. to get a blunt determination of that versus a projection range. Even if it's not the median projection, it could be the ceiling projection, it could be whatever percentile or anything. Uh, but I was able to do that, maybe not as fast and maybe not as accurate. And I'm working on it because that's what I've been working on doing is getting there, I know I, I'm using the term a lot more often recently, combinat combinatorially, meaning that all my 18, the lineups that I was building, by grouping out and keeping away certain players from certain, like different combinations from each other, I ended up in the ranges that I'm looking for from an ownership perspective mm -hmm. already without having to put a max or without having to even put exposures or anything, just like like as long as I don't play like more than two of these guys and more of one of this guy and no more than five of these players, like once I start putting in all those groups and uh and then build stack combinations, right? So like I'm still building you know a three plus one, a two plus one, a two plus a one plus uh, you know a two two plus zero or you know something like that. That yeah. like what shows up and then. The chalkiest ones, I look and I go, how close is that 
for to a cash lineup as possible. And maybe whatever that number is, I'm like, okay, I'm fine. I get to a lineup that's like, okay, I'm fine with that. And it's like, if, as long as anything comes in under that number, the lineup should be fine. The lineup should be fine regardless of the individual players or the, even the exposures that I have on it. And that's the, that's the main reason like that. So many people, there was too much, too much grouped ownership on like Adams plus Dorch or Adams plus any cheap receiver. Like any so so if if it I Dorch, Richie James, I mean then we got Doolin, pa, uh, Campbell, Perriman, who wasn't his owned, but like okay, if I avoid that range, who and then I don't play Adams and I don't play McCaffrey and I don't play these things together, and I don't, and I'm not playing uh, Saquon Barkley. I'm not playing more than one of Saquon, Fournette, and Henderson, which means I need another running back there, and it can, it's not going to be a pay-up running back. So I'm going to get Jacobs there, and now I don't have enough money for like Debo or someone or Jamar Chase, and I'm sitting there and like, okay, well, I could, I do have options for three receivers that average salary of like fifty nine hundred. And it's like, oh, well, that's Curtis Samuel and Amon Ross St. Brown plus plus uh, 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 Brandon Cooks or so, or plus Cortland so Sutton. Using using your methodology of grouping things out uh, based on your combinatorial metrics, which is honestly not not a thing that I use in NFL main sites because I just approach it a different way, and I think I probably end up, you know, doing the same thing in a different right. methodology. But do you ever end up with lineups that uh, have? all chalky players anyway. I mean, just like, cause I would think that no matter what, you know, if you're playing all chalk, you're going to be playing combos that are going to be not, relatively common. Is that not the case? I mean, no, the, the benefit of this by doing it in tandem and you'll, you'll probably be able to see it more on in NBA mm-hmm. uh, is that the, the problem with, with it's very similar as discussed in the advanced course, ownership, sum and ownership product, Ownership product is better than ownership sum, but there's still two blunt methods of determining your lineup's ownership because it's not taking into account any correlation between the players, either from a projection standpoint and from a lineup combination ownership standpoint. So for instance, let's say an NBA. I mean, you'll get you'll get this immediately when I mention an NBA. An NBA, would you consider playing in a large field GPP, more often, it obviously depends on the player. I mean, there's an, there are extreme examples. Uh, the optimal cash lineup, so you have the optimal cash lineup. Uh, and then instead of playing the $3,700 value player, that's going to be 80% owned, you play a 1% owned player that is 10 points lower projected, that's 1% owned. Like you're giving up 10 points of projection, but you're gaining like 70 points in in ownership. Like if you just did it on those two numbers, that lineup would come up. That lineup is a possibility, even though the other seven players in your lineup are going to be owned together like an absurd amount of time. So it's like if your total lineup ownership for that lineup, let's say, was 240, you'd much rather find a 240 lineup in total ownership that didn't have seven of the same players as so much of the field that only had three of those. And then had a couple of 12, a 12%, an 8%, a 22% because 
Like the only way you could win with the lineup that ten, that has that one percent on player is if the chalk essentially smashes. Mm-hmm. All of the chalk has to smash. So basically, you're going to see cash lineups at the top of GPPs, and your one percent on player just beats out that the absurd value play that is has a ten point projection. What is the easier path? What is the highest ROI path? You know, the highest ROI path is to get different in more spots. But if you could keep the same amount of ownership and get different in more spots, isn't that the best of both worlds? Sure. I mean, yeah, I guess. I'm, not, I'm never really seeking to uh, play high ownership. Like, that's not a goal of mine, but typically it is, you know, obviously correlated with projections. So, yes, if you can play uh, the higher projected lineup without the, uh, you know, the high ownership attached to it, that would be my preference. Right, and you can get to those lineups regardless of any individual player. Yeah, and it's it gets back to the fundamentals of play whoever you want. Lineups, not players. So, like, I didn't approach this slate as like I want to be under on this. I want to be over mm-hmm. on that. I just let it play out. Now, at that point, I could build thousands of lineups. Right, at my eighteen lineups, I I could have built five thousand candidate lineups and picked eighteen out of them. Now, I could have done. I could have done that. But I, I need a way to what what I'm I could use blunt methods of doing that where I'm like I'm just going to select and also risk tolerance. It's like that doesn't mean I'm going to play Amon Ross St. Brown in 18 of my lineups. But I could if I if I wanted to build 18, I could. But from a risk tolerance perspective, I I was going to I'll select this plus EV lineup that doesn't have him and this one that does and this one that do, doesn't. So. One thing that I did for my 18, this would be a little too difficult for 150, and it depends on the contest. So I, what I did uh, this past slate beforehand, I, I listen to, I listen and read everything. Like people don't understand what I do throughout the day. It's like I am a rabid consumer of content, right? Because I want to know everything. And I'm not not the football stuff. More of the what people are talking about, right? And and also just content in general. I mean. Uh, statistics podcasts, sure. right? Like Freakonomics or what? I mean, I'm like just, I'm because I listen to podcasts all day. So I listen to on 1.5 to 2x. So like I could on average listen to 12 hours of podcasts a day. No do problem. You, do you actually do that? Like 12, like 12 yeah. hours worth of podcasts? Yeah. So eight hours? Okay. Okay. Right. That's more than me. I, I mean, I listen to a good amount of content, but that's uh, it's more than I could. It's do. always on. I mean, sometimes I'm paying more attention than not, but if I'm in, if I'm in the shower... I'm listening to a podcast. If I'm shaving, if I'm outside, if I'm going, I went to the store, right? And some of it is entertainment. Like I got, I went to Kroger before, but did a little grocery shopping, listened to, to Pete Overzet's, you know, recap show, which is more for entertainment than anything. But like, I'm listening to something. So I'm consuming okay. something. Okay. But one thing I, since I was building 18 small, smaller field stuff, I, I I was listening. I, mean, I listen to him every week anyway. Uh, James to win from one week season because mm-hmm. he specializes primarily in those types of contests, like a wild cat or lower type of thing. And that's I I don't we don't see eye to eye on some philosophies, right? And, and especially since he's not playing the large field stuff, right. a lot of lot of the the concepts that apply more for large field stuff, he just kind of disregards a little too much. Uh, but one thing that he said for a long time. And it makes sense from a mathematical perspective also. Just it's a little bit harder to see just even simply, even with the projections. You would need sims to do so, okay? Uh, is you don't need the nut lineup, right? 
I talk right. about this in the course, in, in, in archetypes, in that chapter. That if you're if you're playing the Millie Maker, I mean the lineup that won the Millie Maker is pretty. This week I, was very close. This was it's not even really that close. Nearly, I think nearly the perfect lineup. But yeah. even in the Millie Maker, you're probably not going to need the nut lineup. Right. Right. No. But in a in a spy contest, you definitely don't near anywhere near the nut lineup. So JM says all the time because he plays those smaller contests of. Asking yourself, this is a more of a feel thing, knowing football. Remember, JM deals more with knowing football, but mathematically, what he says, we get to the same points. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to put it past him. He explains things in different ways, but we're kind of, we're pretty much saying the same thing. Uh, does this player, while this player can have a good game, will they have a must need it score mm-hmm. like had to have had it will will you be looking back going if you did not have this player you cannot win and if you're playing large field stuff that could be fucking anyone yeah right like that yeah. could like that could be anyone yeah. essentially i mean i'm not talking about the backup tight end i'm talking about like like yeah, right, right. could it be right do you need could it be richie james jr Large field. It, yeah, at his it, price tag, yeah. It, yeah, it absolutely. Could it be Ben Skrownick? Right. Could it yeah. be? for the? I'm talking about for the nut lineup. Yep. Right? But, but in a small field, in a smaller field contest, if Ben Skrownick puts up 12 points for 3,300, do I need to have it? If he, if he puts up 20, do I even need to? Is that even based on raw points? Depends on the slate, right? Know. It also depends on the ownership. Like, how owned is is Schroeder going to be in the spy? Right. Versus how often does he put up twenty plus points? Not ten, not fifteen, but twenty. And I go, and I can just look at the ceiling projections and see, and go, I, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. Right. And I only could build eighteen lineups. Now, I could build build Schroeder line. I could absolutely. But I'm choosing instead of building five thousand and having a hundred Ben Skronik lineups to choose from, I just say fuck it. I'm not gonna help. I'm just not, I'm just gonna X them out. I, I look at I, I did that with uh, Richie James Jr. I said some slot receiver for the giant. Like no, amp sorry, gone. Uh, I did that for Jacoby Myers. He was coming up a lot, and I'm like, I I play Jacoby Myers more often than than most people. But like for these eighteen lineups, I'm like, is he putting up twenty five? Like, how does he, like, Jacoby Myers just does not run the roots or get the, he gets a target share, but it's like his, like, am I going to be, I mean, am I going to be, like, hitting myself for not having enough Jacoby Myers? Like, no, so I'm getting rid of him, right? The the cheap guy that I didn't get rid of was Ashton Doolin. I got rid of Paris Campbell, though. Ashton Doolin, from a how he plays football perspective, is this is a guy that could break out for a 65-yard touchdown pass, right? Like, at that salary... He could get twenty points on like two or three plays, so I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave him in. That's perfectly fine. Uh, leaving in guys like uh, like like Tyreek Hill, even if Tyreek Hill was like twice his owned, he 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 always has the ability to put up a had to have it score. So I go through some of these things and I go like, 
what are the chances that I'm going to need to have Donovan Peoples-Jones? I don't know, right? And then I take a look at like uh, like Curtis Samuel. And it's like Curtis Samuel got steamed a little, right? Ownership-wise. So like I had him as a as as overowned, but Curtis Samuel for 4500 could put up a hat to have it's he's the type of player that can put up a higher ceiling score. And then the same thing for the tight ends. Like it doesn't matter how owned Mark Andrews is. It doesn't matter how owned even Kyle Pitts, even though we could I don't know what's going on there. Or or Hawkinson even to some extent. Like like I just always have to have these high priced tight ends. Waller, because Tight end, you have to play a tight end. And if you have the tight end that puts up 32 points and the next highest scoring tight end is 10, like you can't get those points elsewhere. So I have to, it doesn't matter what the, it doesn't matter what their ownership is. I got to put them in and I, and take out the ones that I'm not like, uh, Kalen Granson, right on the Colts. I'm like, do I, do I need to have Kalen? Do I, do I need to? Do I need? I played play some of both, both him and uh, Mo Ali Cox, just because I thought maybe the the game script would be a little bit different. These guys would be very involved, so they could put up huge scores, but didn't didn't work. They out. could, but I mean, at some point, you're playing 150 lineups into the lotto. So, like, sure. I, yeah. what I call what you have is the lotto mindset. Yeah, which is that it sounds bad, but no, we call these large field GPPs lottos. Yeah. When and I understand that completely. Like, that's what I. When people would talk to me and say, you're playing with these weird players and weird stacks, it's like, yeah, that's that's the lotto mindset. And when you're playing the yeah. large field GPPs, if you're going to have a have a small field mindset, like you're going to look at these lineups that win and go, how are these, how are these jokers profitable playing like, ho- quote, horrible lineups? And it's yeah. like, yeah, they would be horrible lineups in your contest because they project to like you don't need to win the spy by 40 points like you just right. just have to beat the other people in the contest and same thing for soccer when i play the small field stuff in soccer cuz that's what i primarily play some 1% owned center back some 2% owned fullback or some you know dm at 3% scores a goal it's like i'm playing a 180 person contest like the guy may literally be unowned like it does it's like Maybe he's the highest scorer on the slate, and he's still, you didn't need him. So it's like the lotto mindset, if you're playing the larger field contest, it's like, and if it's a three-game slate in soccer and a goal gets scored, most likely the goal scorer is going to be in the winning large field. Like it, like if there's only five goals on the slate, probably all five goals are going to be in that lineup by someone, mm-hmm. right? So you have to have a mindset of like, well, I have to consider Ben Stroenick's ceiling projection. Right. And obviously his ceiling is tied to who? Devontae Adams. Traffic. No. Devante. To Devontae oh, Adams. Yeah. For for combina combinatronics. <laughs> right. For <laughs> combi- combinationally, because yeah. the only reason you're you're not playing Ben Skrownick and then you're playing uh a Cortland Sutton and leaving three thousand on the table. Right? So Ben Skrownick lineups will probably have Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, like those types of players in. So if Skroenek puts up 20, like that is only valuable as much as the higher price guys have ceilings that you could use the rest of the salary to get more points. And if they don't, well, then you're in trouble. Unless you're obviously leaving 3,000 on table, but most lineups... Well, you can also just play higher end mid range plays, right? Well, of course, of the world. Well, that's right. But in mo- in more, there are going to be more lineups that have like Greg Dortch, for instance, 
Like, obviously, Dorch plus Adams was the highest. Yeah. Like, the two highest combinatorial uh, uh, players in uh, in uh, the Millie, at least, because I'm looking at it right now, was Devontae Adams and Greg Dorch and Joe Mixon in the Cincinnati defense. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you knew if you knew that, it's like, well, you could play Greg Dorch in a lineup that has all mid-range wide receivers because you're not playing him with Devontae Adams. You're not playing him with, with Cooper Cup. You're not playing with all those guys. And it's like, you could get different enough in the rest of your slots that your ownership and projection work out that way. Now, me personally, I just X'd out Greg Dorch. I just said, at his ownership and at his price and the fact that I'm not playing Devontae Adams much and definitely not together with Dorch, I'm not playing any car stacks and I'm playing more Josh Jacobs to slow down the game. It's like, is, is Greg Dorch going to put up a need-to-have-it score? Like, he's got to pay 15 points and ended up in the Millie Waker winner lineup. But that could have been, you know, it, in the small field stuff, you didn't... That's ironic. Right. You didn't need it, need it, right? So, like, so I'm just going to X him out, right? Like, and I I did that for a bunch, for a bunch of players. I'm just like, what are the... What are the chances that I'm going to need this? Like, I think that I need to worry about the combinatronics uh, for Ben Skaronic when he's 1.7 percent owned overall to begin with. Well, that that get well. Let's use the extreme example, Neil. Although you probably built lineups that were perfectly fine with him in it. Let's say, for instance, you played. Well, how much was Ben Skaronic? He was what 3,200, 3,300, 3,300. Okay, 33. Okay, so let's go through this. Let's say you played a lineup. I'm just I'm just making it up. Uh, Derek Carr, quarterback. Sure. Uh, Daryl Henderson and uh, Saquon Barkley at running back, and uh, Devontae Adams and uh, DJ Moore, maybe or it may it maybe Brandon Cooks. I don't know. We'll see if the salaries work out. Uh, Brendan Skrownick at third wide receiver. Uh, Albert O at tight end and, uh, and, uh, you had, uh, one of the other running backs at, uh, Javante Williams. Yeah. Let's, let's say Javante Williams, right? Cause you need a little, I don't think you get up to mix in in that lineup. And of uh, course you need to play the Bengals defense. I think we can all agree. Right. Right. And the Bengals defense. Now there's a lineup that has 1.7% on Ben Skronik, but it essentially is a double up lineup yeah. that has Skronik instead of. Dorch and like a different uh, a sli- a, instead of mixing you're playing playing Fournette right like so that lineup if you let's say the ownership on that lineup in total is 140 and you set your cap at 140 it's possible obviously it doesn't have a stat well it does have a one it has a it has a stack at least in it right an Adams thing in it like it's possible that based on just those first level blunt methodologies that you end up with that line. You end up with that, like the NBA example of sure. now, are you likely building line? Cause you're probably lower. You're probably exploitatively playing exposures to be yeah. lower on Barkley, lower on the high owned and more on the, and bumping up the low owned that you naturally are going to get more combinations of that. So, but, but if just, I weren't doing that, I would need to be concerned. This way. Right. But I know, but a lot of people do take a look, go, go, go randomly select lineups uh, that aren't from like 150 mat like sharper players, and what you'll see, and even if you go into like something like lineup HQ or Fantasy Cruncher or an optimizer, like if you don't know what you're doing, and you're building 
no matter how many lineups you're building, if you're building 20, if you're building 150, whatever. So let's say you build 150 and you're not aware of this type of stuff. Like your first 10 lineups could be 2v2s off of cash lineups. Yep. And your last 10 lineups could be so absurdly contrarian that you're like, wow, why is the projection 30 points lower? Because the only way to fit those exposures in is to like, oh, I got to give you this, right? That's the only way I can't give you any more of these players. So in 150 lineups, like your first 20, I mean, if you don't, if you don't know how to use the tool, you may get 150 lineups that all look like cash lineups as 2v2s. Right. <clears throat> and those players are all sticking together like that, even though in every lineup you have Ben Skroenek or you have some other 1% owned player or one, oh, it's the same lineup as the, as the Bengals, but you just have the, you have the, the Lions defense at 2% owned. Like, like if you're not using the tools correctly, like you may end up on those lineups, even if you're building 20, right? It just, it goes down by scale. When you build 20, maybe the first two lineups are like, that they're way too high owned. And the last two lineups are way too low projected. And even the third lineup is like, it's really just a three V three. And the fourth lineup is kind of really just a three V three. And then maybe in the middle, maybe the middle 10 are like that. Those are really the lineups that you should be looking at. And you're good at the, you're good with using the tools. You're good at looking at that. And you're good at looking at individual lineups, but a lot of a portion of the field isn't. Right. Especially if they're hand building, let alone even using optimizers that you're essentially exploiting. It's like, well, you have all the, pro- uh, what happens if you have the same projections as me, the same ownership numbers and the same tool, the same tools. It's like, why is it that you could build good lineups and I can't? It's like, that's, right. that's the reason why it's like, well, do you mind that, uh, that people use ETR projections? Like I could use ETR projections exactly as they are have the exact exposures in my portfolio as you have, and you could have 150 negative EV lineups, and I could have 150 plus EV lineups, but it's all based on that, on that what do the individual lineups look like. So Ben Skroenek in lineups that that basically have him in place of Greg Dortch, like they're not good lineups. They're not good GPP lineups. So imagine saying he was 1.7% owned and I had... I had 17% of them, right? I had 10 times the field and 17% of your hundred, let's say you have a hundred lineups. You have 17 lineups and all 17 are essentially cash lineups with Skronek in for Dorch or Skronek in for Campbell or something like that. And you'd look and let's say Ben Skronek puts up 35 points. It's quite possible that none of those lineups cash. Right. You're like, look, I had, I had 35 points from a 1% owned guy. I was under the field. I only had 20% Barkley. I only had 20% Cincinnati defense. I only had 5% Henderson, right? I had a ton of Chubb way over the field. And then you look at the 17 lineups that have Ben Schroenick and none of them have Nick Chubb and all of them have Saquon Barkley. And most of them, most most of them have uh, 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 Kyle Pitts, right? Because you were doing Schroenick-Pitts type of combination or they were Mariota stacks, or they were Stafford. They were they were Stafford stacks uh, with with uh, with uh, Robinson and Skronik, and because Cooper and because and Robinson had a zero. I mean, like like there's so many ways that if you're jamming in five six chalky players and Ben Skronik, that it's quite possible that like all the lineups that you have most exposure to, if a player are actually just like 
They end up yeah. sticking to the wrong people, and you're sitting there going, "How did I lose seventy five percent on a slate where I had seven, where I had seventeen percent of the one percent known guy that went off for a million points, and literally none of those seventeen lineups even cashed." Okay, so while we're on the topic, I pulled up your tweet uh, interaction with uh, Ricky D on Twitter, mm. and I'm gonna I'm gonna commit a theory of DFS sin here, and I'm gonna ask you a question that I could have probably uh, done the research myself and and learned what this means right. uh, in the meantime since you posted. I have not done so. Uh, but I don't think I'm the only one who could benefit from you kind of explaining what this chart is that you posted on Twitter. Okay, I, I don't think it's a stupid... By the way, I don't think it's a stupid question. It's just that it's very hard to explain stuff in, in tweets, obviously. I know. Right. But you're, ta- you're talking about the level one, level two, and level three yep. charts. Do- to me, don't even worry about the goddamn numbers. I'm just posting because that's what it shows and it, it doesn't matter. It's okay. the... It's the, here are the players from top to bottom. Level one means, at level one, essentially, I'm posting a cash lineup, right? Like, I'm going, level one is, I don't care. Level one, it's like the levels of thinking in poker. Level one, what do I have? Level two, what does my opponent have? And level three, what is what do I think my opponent thinks I have, right? So level one DFS is essentially cash games, Right. But a lot of people play those the best play play the best play lineups, right? So it's like, okay, if people are playing the play the best. How much? What percentage of the field in your contest is jamming the best plays, regardless of ownership, regardless of combinatorics, regardless of anything? A decent amount, at least, have yeah. some combination. They may not have all six of the players, but maybe they have four of the players. So here are the players. If you just ran industry aggregate projections basically around the industry and you just average them out and whatever. Uh, Here are the players that come up the most together, right? So here's a list of players that maybe you don't want to play together as much of. Maybe not more than two, maybe not more than three, maybe not more than four. Your choice. Probably not many of these together, okay? So that's level one. Level two would mean, okay, my opponents may, since they do know that, that they're not going to play their cash lineups, what percentage of the field isn't going to play cash lineups, but still end up playing like 2v2s and 3v3s off of cash lineups. So now you take the level one, the players that exist in level one, you group those out. So you like, okay, don't play more than three of these guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, if you did that and then you cap each of the th- each of the, the players, to an equal amount. So you so you if if there's if you're grouping out 10 players, if you group out five players, set their exposure to like 15%. So you probably get 15% of each player mm-hmm. in in the next lineup set for level two. Sure. Okay? So people that play Barkley but not Fournette, people that play Fournette but not Mixon, people that play Adams but not Dorch, right? Like, you kind of start making it so you can make all of those types of lineups for people that are only playing a max of two or max of three, which would be good for GPPs, right? You want to play some chalk because they project well, but you don't want to play all the chalk. What do those lineups look like? So these are the lineups that on level two, people will be playing. Right. In combination also with one another. So that second chart is here's all the pivots. Right. People are going to. Oh, if they don't play the Bengals, they're probably going to be playing the the Dolphins. Right. If they're not playing, uh, they're not playing uh, a max uh, of of more than one or two of Barkley, Fournette and Henderson. 
They're probably playing Mixon, right? They're, they're, they're pro- probably Mixon's going to be in those lines. So Mixon, uh, Mixon plus, uh, I don't know what what else was uh, was on. Uh, no, I got no, I got it right here. So like okay. Mick Mixon and Jacobs, like are going to be like if people Barkley Henderson Fournette is the popular three running back combo. But if you exclude one of them, you're probably going to get Jacobs or Mixon, right? Sure. You'll probably get one of those two. If you're playing, if you if you X out two of those top guys, you may only get, you may get more CMC and, or you may get a fourth wide receiver instead of even a third running back. And then mm-hmm. if you X out, if you don't play Dorch, you're more likely to get Richie James Jr. If you X out Adams, you're more likely to get Cup. If you X out uh, Dorch and Cooks, you're more likely to get guys like Samuel in your line. You're more like a forty, a four thousand dollar player and skip the three K range, right? Uh, if you don't go down at defense, you may end up with twenty nine hundred Patriots instead. So, like, what do these lineups look like of people that are aware of ownership and trying to get a bit different? Now, that would be primarily lineups that are better in single entry three max smaller field contest because how much different do you need to get in those? So like these would be those types of lineups, but they're not large field GPP lineups because they still don't provide you as much leverage to be that plus EV when you're trying to be 200,000 people. So that's why you move on to level three and you go level three is, well, yeah, I'm playing against a percentage of the field. 20% of the field are playing cash type lineups to play the best plays lineups. We got 30% of the field maybe that is playing like, play the best plays with a couple of pivot type lineups. So I'm like, okay, half the field is playing that. So now how do I get off of those lineups? So now I'm going to group out the level two players along with the level one players. So I don't get a max of like three of those in total. Right. Right. And then, okay, now what players start showing up more. And that's when you get more Javante, you get more Deandre Swift, you get more Kirk Renfro, Paris Campbell, Marquise Brown, Tyreek Hill and Tyler Higby. Okay? So you got those. So now if you're playing on level three, which is more, depending on the combinations that you make, you'd be looking to play more of those guys. Those guys are stand to be uh, possibly less owned than they should be, while the ones in level two may be a little bit more representative. Obviously, the ones in level one are maybe higher owned than you expect. Look, Barkley came in at 41%. Cincinnati came in at 40, 40 plus percent. So those players may be more owned. Uh, and then level, f- then uh, you can build level three. The level three lineups that you build are probably your, your lowest variance lineups. So these would be the, that they're, you're still playing owned players, but you're playing them in, in a, in a different way. Now, if you put it, if you put in the level three players in, into the group and say like max of five, what are the level four plays? So now what's the rest of the field that is essentially playing Sims, right? Mm-hmm. So how many 150 max, basically how many, one, that percentage is how many 150 maxers are there, right? If you're playing up against 150 maxers, like what are their lineups going to look like if you sim everything out? This is a blunt methodology. And those are what my lineups look like, right? So like based on all of these, I'm on Ross St. Brown was chalky, but he just, because of the price range, never fit enough into lineups to attach 
them themselves to have a high R2 value. He didn't have a low R2 value. He just did never had an exceptionally high R2 value with like anyone on the slate by the time I got to level four. Christian Kirk really kind of didn't fit in as much every anywhere. Mike Evans didn't fit. Russell Gage, like the Tampa guys really did like so it's like what those Amon Ra would be would have an R two a high R two with uh, the Washington players. Yeah, but so but but no, the, the the problem is is that was the the Washington Samuel because of the price points they were being less utilized because it was hard to fit them both in together. Now those lineups would have certain players in them, but like mm-hmm. if you were playing Amon Ra, say if you were playing something like Goff, or let's say you were playing Wentz Samuel Thomas. Amon Ra, which is a lineup that I played. Now try to fit in other players in those lineups that are chalky. It's much harder to. Don't you have a lot of a lot of salary left over in that lineup? Isn't that relatively cheap? Yeah, no, it's relatively cheap, which which means it's not cheap enough that I have Devontae Adams, but it's not expensive enough where I'm getting a lot of Greg Dortch. It's not okay. it's 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 not enough for me to get Taylor, right? Saquon. Yeah, but that's what that Saquon appeared no matter, like Saquon was the one that got slammed in at 7,300 more than Mixon, but like all the other chalkier plays like just didn't fit in the slots with that type of stack. Uh, The only only two that fit in the most, Barkley and the Cincinnati defense. Everything else was just like in the wrong price. Unless you were leaving money on, a ton of money on the table. Like I don't leave more than like three hundred on the table in in NFL lines. Any kind of rule for that, so I actually don't know how much money. Right. I assume that I'm typically using the salary cap or close to it, but right. But typically, so it just so happened that the salary ranges with the projection, right, just didn't work out. That like the higher projected lineups with the same ownership just happened to be at different different players. Then, so it's like even though Amon Ross St. Brown plus Curtis Samuel was, I mean. It still only represented less than 1% of lineups. I mean, it's not like it was that much either. It's just that because of their salaries and their positions, two wide receiver positions, like you didn't end up on Albert O. You didn't end up, you didn't end up on. So because of that, like I, I would get Barkley, Cincinnati defense in those lineups. And then Christian Kirk and Antonio, you know, maybe not Antonio Gibson, but I would get, uh, you know, Josh Jacobs in that ride or Brand. Uh, no, I had Brandon Cook's pretty high. So I would get like uh, Hunter Renfro or Marquise Brown or like guys that weren't were, were really like single digit owned as they were. So like it just worked out that way, salary wise and positionally that way. So it just made for the fact that even though uh, Wentz plus Sam, Wentz plus Samuel plus Amon Ra was was over owned. You could play enough under-owned players in the other lineups that that the lineup's expected value that lineup would equal some other lineup that I didn't play any of those players and I played different under-owned players and and a different over you know and that lineup has Mixon in it, and that lineup has Fournette in it and that lineup has Adams in it like because they still projected for the most points so like like this this is the core of lineups not players this this is the core of that of like. Individual, when we're talking about individual players and one of the, the hot topics on Twitter this morning, which is the second thing I wanted to talk about, that's why I mentioned I was getting a lot of two two players 
regardless of their ownership, in my top-rated lineups. And that was Saquon Barkley. And the other one was the Cincinnati defense. Now, I personally chose to just not choose plus EV lineups that had the Cincinnati defense as I was playing small field and just like, the easiest way to get leverage is to not play the most varying position that has almost no predictability is to play the 48% on defense. So by accident, if you're if you're not playing with projections, if you're not playing with sims or anything like that, you're more likely to land on plus EV lineups that just don't don't contain the Cincinnati deep. Like by random chance, there are more lineups that don't play the highly over-owned defense that still projects extremely well for 2200. So you don't have to worry about making mistakes in the rest of your lineup, right? Because it's like, well, I already got rid of that. I'm playing. I'm playing. Uh, I'm playing the Jaguars at two percent instead, mm-hmm. right? And then, then if I happen to have a Car Adams Dorch lineup, and I don't realize that uh, maybe that's a little over. Like, dude, I, it was taken care of. I'm playing a two percent on defense, right? Like, right. like by accident, you could come up with these lineups. So, like, that's the easiest way. It's this very same in MLB where it's like, who's the chalk SP two? Right, where they're not an ace, but they're still mm-hmm. going to be a high owned, 35, 40% owned, $7,800 pitcher. Yeah. Just stack yeah, against him. Yeah. Right. Just fade that guy and stack against him. It's like yeah. you don't even know anything about baseball. If you just did that by accident, you'll run into plus EV. Like you'll just more likely to run into plus EV lineups rather than how do I play the three chalkiest players and then get different enough? Like right. that, that, that is much harder to do without tools and projections and stuff like that. So the Cincinnati defense, on the other hand, because what I, I was talking to, uh, to, uh, uh, some people that do Sims. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you're in the same, you're in the same chat. So yeah, you, you, you saw exactly the exact conversation yeah. that was going on that the Sims people also had a lot of Cincinnati defense, yeah. right? They would say, and, and it's like, it seems antithetical to, why am I playing a 40% owned Cincinnati defense? And to be fair, they were projected at like 28% owned. So maybe if you run and back test it at 41% ownership, maybe you don't get as much of them. But it came down, and this is the reason, even through my tools in Excel, that you could get at theoryofdfs.com. Like it was coming up, like I was just making lineups. So it's like fucking Cincinnati defense. I don't want, should I just X this out? What I, I ended up playing them in one lineup. Uh, it's because from a individual lineup perspective, okay, we we always say the theme is lineups, not players, okay? From an individual lineup perspective, the aggregate projection on the Cincinnati defense was around eight to eight and a half points, right? For 2,200. Mm-hmm. Other defenses in that range were projected for like four, four and a half, yeah. okay? So like that's a four point difference in mean projection. Which you could take what it what it is, whether floor ceiling doesn't matter. Uh, that four points. If you were to make lineups at the similar own at the at the uh, similar ownership, even if you're just using ownership sum, and you tried to make lineups at, at like let's just make make up a number one forty. Mm-hmm. The one forty lineups that had a total ownership of one forty that had the Bengals defense would project on average two points higher than the same owned lineup without the Cincinnati defense. Because you save, you're getting four points in projection and also saving like a thousand in salary. And there were more useful running backs, wide receivers, whatever, quarterbacks Mm -hmm. that were worth that, that 
if I gave you the choice, if I told you and I didn't tell you any of the ownership of the individual people, of the individual slots, and I didn't tell you the names, didn't tell you nothing. I said, would you rather play a lineup at 140% ownership that projects for 135 mean points or one that projects for 133 mean points at the same, same ownership? Which one would you prefer? Maybe both of them are plus EV in the contest you're in, but which one would you prefer? You'd obviously prefer the 135. Right. And that's the one with the Cincinnati Bengals defense in it. Yeah. Right. That's the one with Saquon Barkley in it also. Like, so like I found that the combinations with Barkley and the Cincinnati defense, even though that it maybe not in combination, but those two, those two players, which were the two highest owned players on the slate, even now I, I did this based on projected ownership. Like I said, if I yeah. go back and put in the actual ownership, maybe this changes a bit. It goes down. It doesn't completely flip it, but it may greatly mitigate its effect. But at their projected ownership, which is 10 points lower, they contribute the most. Like it just, I couldn't get like, I was getting both of them because why would I want to play a lineup that's the same owned with lower projection Right. Regardless, regardless, and I was even adding, I, I, I thought it was odd when I did it, when I got to level four and then I started building lineups, I said, I'm going to turn I'm going to turn up randomness. So I'm like, let me put defensive randomness on 25%. Let me put, let me put uh running back randomness on 25%. Even after doing that, no, not much of a difference. I was getting all the Bengals in my initial builds. I don't know. I, I just ended up capping them because it was, I, I know I, I, uh, generally go through and incrementally change projections a little bit, but they just, as you said, projected so much better than every other defense that no matter what I did, if I didn't set, I mean, obviously I could have done a larger incre- incremental change, but uh, I was just still getting a lot. And I was like, I just don't want more than 20% of the Bengals defense. So I set a universal cap at 20%. And uh, in retrospect, that was still too high. Cause if I had known they were going to be 40%, I would have full faded. Right. Which means you're more likely to find plus EV lineups that, I mean, it, it's not a matter of, like you said, well, I'm going to full fade. I'm going to go over what, like, these things don't matter. They, met, they The individual lineup letter matters. Now, using blunt methodologies, you're like, well, I'm just going, I'm going to exclude even considering those lineups as candidates. Like, that's yeah. almost a better way of phrasing it, of like, right. I can build 50,000 lineups that I believe are profitable long-term in large field GP or whatever GPPs that you play. I could build 50,000, but I can only play 150. So I want to choose, do I want to choose the highest 150? No, because they're probably the highest variance lineups also. And you're more likely to go minus 99% on a slate so often that you'll be broke. You'll need a bankroll size of God knows how much to do that. So Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, maybe I have some higher variance, some lower variance, some in the middle, you know, and that's what you're trying to do with exposure numbers of how much risk tolerance do I want in this? But if you just want out of the 50,000, say, yeah, out of these 50,000, there are 25,000 Bengals defense lineups that are plus EV out of this. But I'm only choosing 150, and I'm just choosing not to choose any of the, the 25. Like, I'm right. just choosing that because those lineups are actually, are probably not going to have, they, they're going to look weirder, maybe. The, ben, the Bengals defense lineups probably may not have Barkley. If they have Barkley and the Cincinnati defense, you probably have like three 2% owned players in there. That's that's most likely a that's a Mac Jones, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Henry, Deontay Johnson lineup, right? And you're like, 
well, how much money am I going to put in on this slate when I only have 150 entries to play? Because it sounds like a lot. People are like, oh, you have 150 entries. You can cover everything. No, you're not even fucking close, right? So you made the choice through exposures, through Xing out or raising, saying, I don't even want to have those lineups as candidates. The same way that with my 18 lineups, I said, I'm just Xing out Greg Dorch. Mm-hmm. I could make lineups with Greg Dorch that are plus EV, but I'm just choosing to not even consider those candidates. And if and if he's the one that beats me, then so be it, right? right. If Richie James or Ben Skronik beat me, so be it. Especially for the smaller field. Larger field, I'm much more likely to leave them in and just may not have a much. I may end, if, with 150 lineups, maybe I would have ended on 2% of each. Mm-hmm. When they fit, where they fit, they fit and whatever, and maybe they go off and who knows. The lotto mindset. But like, without having a methodology of doing that, it's just so much easier if you just came to the slate and say, I'm just Xing out Barkley and Xing out Cincinnati defense, all you're doing is just reducing the candidate lineups that you could build. Yep. Right? You're just not considering any of those lineups. And if they come in and if, if Barkley puts up 40 points, then you it is what it is. You could have built Barkley lineups. And no matter how much variance there is at the defensive position, we still have projections, right? I mean, they're highly fragile, highly variant. It's like Wheel of Fortune at defense. But if your lineup makes sense, otherwise, I had one person asked me in the in the blitz uh, in the the Blenders Game Theory channel uh, that you know he showed me his lineup. He said he was heading this is this is what he was heading into the late game, the late set of games. Neil, okay, mm-hmm. he had Tua, he had Waddle, he had Hill, he had Amon Rossi Brown, and he had Mark Andrews. Now that is that is the definition of the nuts. Yeah. From the 1 p.m. games, like if you just... Now, you didn't have Chubb in there, right, from the 1 p.m. games. Yeah. But maybe Chubb isn't even, maybe not even necessary. So you never know what the running backs are going to do. Especially with Daryl Henderson being significantly cheaper. Right. And then you also had Jacobs, you had Williams, you had Fournette. I mean, you had uh, Mixon, all those people. So I took a look at his lineup, and I don't know what contest he was playing. Uh, The $8 three-entry max. That's what he told me. So it's not that large of a field contest, right? It's large, but not like, it's not 100,000 entries. So he, he he left in, his original lineup was uh, Jacobs, Javante Williams, Greg Dorch, and the utility and Bengals defense. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, I could have, he's like, he was considering going to the Falcons. He originally had the Falcons defense there. Oh. Okay? Originally. Yeah. But because looking at his lineup with the nuts, essentially the nuts, uh, he's like, he chose to block by just going to the Bengals defense because so many people behind him yeah. would have the Bengals defense. And I, I told him, I said, that's, dude, that's probably what I would have done. Like, you have to consider the people above you. Like, if there was a Nick Chubb lineup above you, yeah. maybe you'd be like, how, how beneficial it is for me to get, go for total maximization of first or maximization of a top 10 finish or something like that. Like yeah. that would be the consideration. But in general, when you're leading, you're more likely to like, how do I block? And when you block, you're typically gaining projection because you're playing the higher projected players. Right. So like in these cases, it's like, I look at this lineup and I go like, no, I, I, I would have switched. The, I would have switched to the Bengals also. I mean, like, yeah, I, no, I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But and, if you looked at it, but if you looked at the lineup after the fact, without considering that, you go, what a fish. He played the Bengals yeah. defense. I mean, 
no, you you can't just go by who plays a forty percent on defense. It's like, well, in that lineup, that makes perfect fucking sense. Yeah, yeah. No, I made the right decision. And the the counter to that was, uh, I saw Big T posted on Twitter. He got second in uh, a qualifier for the NFL final, and apparently Cal Spears was behind him going into the afternoon games, and Cal Spears pivoted off of the Bengals to the Falcons and ended up winning that. So he made the opposite choice. I'm behind right now. I'm going to pivot off of the Falcons to or the the Bengals to the Falcons because they're not chalk, and I'm guessing the people ahead of me have the Bengals, and it worked out for him. That's uh. The, the and then B- Big T could Big T if it was a small enough qualifier. And you knew that, thought, and he knows how Cal Spears plays. Right, you would have switched well, to the right. Hard. Yeah, right. That's hard to do. To go, Cal is is cognizant enough to know that I have the Bengals defense here, and he has the Bengals defense, and he's going to switch to the Falcons. Right, and because and of that, is, who is he going to pivot to? Too, you have to know that. Right. So. Well, in the twenty two hundred all deep. There's only on the, there's only one on the defense available. I suppose. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, for the late games, there was only one other. Like the Lions already played, and then there were two thousand. Uh, so yeah, so like truthfully, the best move if you knew that Cal was one hundred percent observant, the game theory move for Big T, it would have been way higher EV to switch to the Falcons. Sure. Yeah. Given that, given the very minimal, we have. This is not including any other players. This is right. if you knew Assuming that a very very small field. Right, a very very small field, and the really the only reasonable person that could could overtake you is Cal. And you look at his lineup, and you go, "Well, I'm going to play. Uh, he's going to move from the Bengals to the Falcons, and if I move from the Bengals to the Falcons, I increase my winning first place winning percentage by a hell of a lot, right? Because once you block, you're, you're I mean, and you're ahead. I mean, you you could, you could go to dramatic extent, but of course that's third level thinking and. Maybe Cal was Cal could have easily been made his lineups and he's out with the family. Right. Wasn't even paying attention. Didn't even see the slate until the end. It, there's a percentage of the time that happens, right? So like, who the hell knows? Right. Right. But but I mean, Big D's explanation uh, of why he played him is I don't agree with. But uh, well, the Bengals, yeah. No, because it, it, it's not the the thing that I agree with is that. Half of his explanation is what we say. Is what we say. Lineups, not players. It's like, dude, like, like, dude. I could get. Basically, he said, "Well, I could play the Bengals' defense and get different elsewhere." It's like, oh, that, that absolutely, one hundred percent agree with you. You're absolutely right. The the the, the point of, uh, I just plug in the smash play, and then get different elsewhere. It's like, well, no, it defense. Is scored very variant, like like that. Yeah, it depends on the situation, the position, the salary. You know, there are so many different components. It, but just game. how defense is scored, like defense in particular, is not where I want to jam. The right. Game. The 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 dist- This would make sense if the distribution of defensive scoring was anywhere near normal or even predictable. I mean, like right. like this is not the same as uh, we got a three k point guard in NBA that's going to play thirty eight minutes. And has a median of thirty-five points. Of like, well, just plug that in and get different elsewhere. It that's that's well, not Jacob that's DeGrom. not defense. Yeah, but even Jacob, Jacob like, let's say Jacob Degrom was min price four K on an MLB yeah. slate. It's like well, I'm saying, even Jacob Degrom at his current <laughs> at his current yeah, price yeah. at twelve thousand. Jacob Degrom, yeah, right. 
But there's a difference there. The, the defensive scoring is so variant that you can't treat it like this. So that's where I disagree with, uh, right. like, you can't just, that's that's not, that's not, you know, oh, someone say, you know, everyone's out for the Bucks and, and, and except for Drew Holiday and he's 5,800 and he projects for 50 points and you just smash him in all your line. Like, it's not, it's not that. Basketball is scored differently than de- defensive scoring in football. And it's not even the same as, as, oh, you get the 4K running back that's going to run into 30 touches. Like, it's yeah. not that either. Like, it's just the sc- very similar to MMA, right? MMA, it's like, oh, we got a 7,200, the Tony Ferguson slate. It's like, yeah. we got a favorite at 7,200. He's like 1,000, 1,200 underpriced. But it's like, MMA scoring isn't normal, isn't normally distributed. Right. So, like, that isn't the type of thing that, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to plug it into all my lineups. Yeah, he's the best value play. Yes. He should be the highest owned. I get it. Yes. But to just think in terms of, of I'm playing him in 100% of my lineups because he's going to smash is not is predicting outcome. Like, you're not doing anything. Now, you could say, I'm playing all the plus EV Ferguson lineups I can, and each individually are only duped one time or unique. Yeah. Well, you just, you had 5,000 candidate lineups, 2,500 were Nate Diaz, 2,500 for Ferguson, and you just said, now wave to the 2,500 Nate Diaz and go, well, I still have 150 lineups to choose from here. So, like, with the Bengals' defense, if you wanted to build 50,000 lineups and say, I could find 2,000 Bengals' lineups that are really plus EV, and just said, now wave to the 48,000 others, and just said, I'm going, what lock button, Bengals defense, and individually, if you ran them, those were plus EV lineups. But then what ends up happening is that uh, people go on to results DB, or they go on lineup rewind, or you win something or something, and they look at your exposure, and it's you locked in the Cincinnati defense, and they go, what a fish. Right. Fucking locking in the 40% own defense. What are you, an idiot? Yeah. And it's like, well, have you looked at the individual lineups? Right. No. So you don't know. You Dude, you don't know that. You don't know anything. You need to go on Twitter then and make a thread about why it was a good idea anyway. Right. Because <laughs> there were enough people making fun of the play that to have 70%, I think Big T felt the need to go on and explain his reasoning. Right, but in general, lineup's not players. It's just that. Yeah, exactly. Yep. That, it, it, it. I also wonder if Big T would have played 70% if he had expected them to be 41%. I think that was, that they came in higher owned than anybody expected. I think he would have done it anyway. The way, the way, the way that he explained it, he, he explained it from a football reason. Of like, nope, they're smash bot. I'm playing them, right? But if you don't have any way or any accurate way or any consistent way of building around high ownership players, you're much more likely to run into negative EV min cash style lineups mm-hmm. or end up being way too contrarian and giving up way too many projected points by doing that. So from a, from a simpleness standpoint, it's easier to just say, well, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to play them because then I I'm less likely to make mistakes elsewhere. But if you're going to play Barkley plus the, the Cincinnati defense, you're riding a fine line of finding those candidate lineups that, that are plus EV. There's going to be less of them. But skillful players can still do this. Still, skillful players can still find those lineups, and that that and to me that's all that matters. So, like, obviously, once we get to NFL season, the more the dumb people come out of the the woodwork. Like, I almost want to go back to July and August, where it's like, okay, nice and quiet, right? 
than the really NFL people. Call. I noticed right away on our doing doing live streams that the audience is like, "Who are these people? Like, what's right. going on here?" Uh, it, it's it's people that that probably have never watched the shows because it's like, yeah, it's like, like, do you know what we even do here? Yeah, right. Like, who are these fucking nerds? Not even talking football. You're talking numbers. What does that have to do with anything? Right. What does that have to do with anything? Numbers. We're not talking yeah. numbers. Uh, but the, that's the, the, the only two things that I was, I was talking about. I mean, it just, it's a weird week where I lost money, but I don't, I, I, I feel as if, I feel as if, if I would have built 150 lineups, I would have possibly had a shot. Yeah. Like it's one of those things where I, I think I was on the right, I, I was on the, the only person that I would have missed out on and probably had very little of was Nick Chubb. Like okay. that's the all. Oh, that's the only. That's like the only. And you needed. I mean, when no running backs score many points, and he scores thirty-two, yeah, you, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna need it. So it's like maybe I would have ended up with out of one hundred fifty. Maybe I would have ended up with five percent Nick Chubb, and just would have hoped they were in. I would have tons of Amon Ross St. Brown. I would have been under the field on the the Baltimore game. So it's like I pray that they're pray I get a Nick Chubb. Uh, yeah. Miami stack Andrews run back Almon Rob St. Brown lineup and and maybe the Jacksonville defense over the Cincinnati defense please yeah. like maybe <laughs> well in my 150 set I didn't have enough of the damn Dolphins game even though like uh, Alex recommended it, I remembered it I was like trying to build them in uh, then I recommended it on my Saturday show because because Alex had it, I was like well Alex said the Dolphins or the the, the Tua stacks are a good play. Uh, Alex is smart. We should probably do that. And then I like meant to, and I actually like in my later lineup building process, which is like the Yahoo slate, I gave Tua a pretty big boost to try to get to more of Dolphin stacks and still apparently, but I, I ran out of time and didn't get to any anyway. So it was like, I, the, the more I was building, I was like, okay, I need to focus. I need to make more of these Dolphin stacks and just never quite got there. So I uh, was pretty disappointed. It was not going to be a good day for me not having many Dolphin stacks. And did you just play large field yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I, I played some like medium field. I think I played a contest with like five thousand, maybe, but didn't do well in those either. I just right. didn't didn't work out for me. So, so truthfully, maybe you, I probably had more volume than you did yesterday. Maybe because I, I play because I play cash games on both sides. Oh yeah, yeah, probably with the cash games. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why it's like like my like if I just played GPPs yesterday, I would have lost I think ten percent. Yeah. Like so, like some like minimum. Like I would have been perfectly fine, right? It's just that you know when when you go when you minus minus seventy five percent on DK cash and minus forty percent on Fanduel cash, like and you're playing oh, several you lost, thousand you lost on both cash games too. Uh oh. Right, right. Well, that's that's where the loss comes from. That's why, like GPP wise, like uh, my process wise, I look at my eighteen lineups and I go, I I, I feel I feel like I was perfectly. Fine with what I with what I did yeah. based on looking at ownership the, and everything afterwards. The cash game plays obviously the Bengals and Saquon are the first two into your lineup and both uh, failed. Uh, Devonte Adams, I would assume, is in there somewhere. Yeah, I I I I I wanted to I Amon Ross St. Brown was my like I was going to be playing a lot of them. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought the build I played Higby at tight end over. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to play Albert Owen cash at all. Uh, yeah. uh, that seems like the, the guy has no floor, uh, and you're paying thirty seven hundred for no floor. I could pay. Uh, let me get Jawan Johnson instead yeah. if I'm going to play a guy with no floor. Uh, 
But the way that they use Higby and the Rams, the Rams just have a better offense. So it's yeah. like I, I prioritize. Do I play? My 2v2 was really, I, I would have lost either way. Cooks and Alberto versus Judy and Higby. And I thought, why am I playing the wrong? Why am I playing like Higby's on the Rams? Okay, that's a better than the Broncos. And Judy is actually better than Alberto. So why don't I just play that? The Amon Bra, and I played Fournette over Mixon. And I played Carr in cash. I mean, it was a very, dude, I shared, my cash lineup was a train of like 47 people. I mean, like, like McLovin and Uticao. I mean, I, yeah. like my, my lineup in cash, I looked at, I, cause I look at who played who in cash games. And I go, whenever I see that I'm on, on a train with other people that I typically look at to see what the hell did they do in cash, then like, what am I, tell me what I'm going to do. Tell, tell, I don't like, dude, like right. I'm, I'll, I'll trade my results with their results. So, like, that's right. that's perfectly fine with me. FanDuel, I was a bit different. But FanDuel, what I did on FanDuel is that I didn't want to play Brandon Cooks. So I just when, – when, when in doubt, in cash games especially, I'd rather side with either a higher ceiling player or someone on a better offense. Mm-hmm. Right? Just be on a better offense. Don't be on a bad offense. I don't care about you get – oh, you get a 30% target share of garbage. Right? I, I don't care about that. So – uh on FanDuel, I uh, I played Amon Ross St. Brown there, but I also played Jerry Judy there. Jerry Judy was more popular on DK than on FanDuel, and when he gets injured and uh, and Kyle Pitts does nothing, and I played the Patriots over the Bengals defense, which got me a little bit extra points, but uh, Lamar Jackson was also like 20% owned in cash games, hmm. and I played Carr, and Lamar obviously got like 30 more points than him. Yeah. And uh, and then the people that played McCaffrey plus a cheaper that or didn't play Ad like Adams was only like forty five percent owned in cash, right? So it's like when Adams puts up a dud for Fanduel, especially, yeah. uh, like it just I, yeah yeah you're right I do I do have my my forty Amon Ross St Brown points, but like that's holding up like my entire lineup, yeah. and it's like I got there in some fifty fifties, so it's like head to heads. I think I won more than I lost in head-to-heads, but I like I didn't get there. Obviously, in any quintuple ups or triple ups, and most of the double ups I didn't get there, but just some of the fifty-fifties. So it's like I was close there. But like as far as as far as like that, I, I'm going to play what I play. I, this week, this week coming up, uh, I looked at I I did this uh, this morning because I was up a little early uh, to just look look through the. Uh, the double up, like the mass, the massive single entry twenty five dollar double up, massive single entry fifty dollar double up. Mm-hmm. I have to form. I'm going to throw this in the portfolio correlation matrix, uh, but I have to reformat because it's not meant to handle contest CSVs. It's meant to just handle just players lineups. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to put them in. I have a I have a suspicious feeling because I was looking through that. Maybe not in the massive stuff, but in the smaller stuff, because I'm going to try to compare the massive single entry. And I'm not talking about the multi-entry stuff, but the massive single entry double ups yep. versus like the one tw- the the ones that are like 62 man, 124 man, 31, and see how how condensed everything is. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, now, if you're playing low stakes, you may not have to worry about this. The experiment that I did and the stuff that I did for baseball may work even maybe higher. Uh, ROI in football. Okay. Because if I just took if I just took the trains, so like 
what I did in this in the massive twenty five dollar double up is I was just scrolling down and seeing what lineups that a lot of people shared, right? So like a train of twelve, a chain a tra- train of forty four, and then wrote down those lineups that were on the train. So I'm not counting all the other ones, which I would mm-hmm. normally, but I just didn't have the time. Uh, and what were the and and looking at all the trains. All the trains were 1v1s and 2v1s. I mean, like, there's, it's not like it was significantly... All the lineups I looked at, I looked at and said, this isn't a dumb lineup, mm-hmm. right? It isn't, it isn't. It's, oh, you have Trey Lance and Joe Mixon, and I have Carr and Fournette. Okay, right? Or mm-hmm. I looked through, and obviously some people late swapped, so you can't tell what that could have been. Uh, but just looking through, it's like... Oh, you had Judy, I had Cooks, and you had this tight. You had Alberto, and I had Higby. Or you had Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Granson, and I and and someone else had Jawan Johnson instead of Granson. And then if someone had Lamar Jackson, and they played Richie James and Greg Dortch together with Adams, and then paid up for Andrews. I'm like, okay, like. I don't think that's optimal, but it's still reasonable enough that I'd be like, okay, that's that's a that's a viable cash lineup. And I'm just mm-hmm. looking through all of these and going, what do these look like in the 124s and the 62s and the 31s? So I just quickly, because I was doing the pregame show like like 10 minutes to go, uh, looked at one of my 124 double ups, and like that 2v2s of, of what I just wrote down made up more than half the entries. Mm-hmm. So it makes up more than half the entries in the double ups. Those are the I'm, now I'm going to have to go into the triple ups and look at my 62 man and 31 triple ups and seeing what what, the, what a comparable proportion to that is. If it's yeah. high enough, dude, I, I'm just yeah. gonna, I'm just going to be building these five v five lineups and just. But you I haven't mean, looked at the triple ups yet. No. Okay. But I just suspect because I could see the name because I, obviously I recognize yeah, yeah. names. All the same players. Right. So if I just go into those and go, well, what is what is what is what is the diversification of of these? And it's like I could have you could have played a lineup yesterday, for instance. Let's say let's say you you still played Barkley in the Cincinnati defense, and let's say you played Matthew Stafford for a hundred more than Carr, and let's say you played Allen Robinson rather than Judy. Right, Judy was fifty six hundred. Allen Robinson was fifty five hundred. It's still my same lineup, right? It's still, it's still, it, the rest of it is still my same lineup. Then instead of playing Higby, you play Zach Ertz at forty two hundred. So that saves mm-hmm. three hundred. And then I go up from Dorch to Doolin at thirty two hundred. I still have a hundred. I still have a hundred to spare, and then I go from the Bengals defense, or maybe I keep the Bengals defense. But you could go up to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, then you then you take the extra hundred there. Maybe maybe you're fine with that. Maybe you look at that lineup and it's like, how many people in this contest will have Allen Robinson? One or two. How many people will have Zach Hurts? One or two. In the other combinations, how many people will have, uh, uh like uh. Who else did I mention? Uh, Jaguars defense or... Or, or, or maybe... Uh, or Jacobs. Stafford, Stafford. Stafford instead of Carr. And then yeah. maybe you play Jacobs over... No, the extra 100 is Jacobs over Henderson. Right. Yeah. Right? And now you spend 50K. And now you're... you're 
easily a 4v4 off of like all of the lineups. Yeah. And it's like if one of those differentials does well, most likely I beat all of the lineups at once. Yeah. And I have four shots to pretty much do so in combination. And you can't do that in double ups or 50 50s because you only get paid two X. But if those are going to be the same lineups that are in the, th- in the triple ups and the quintuple ups, like, dude, I could be, I could beat so many lineups in one shot. Why don't I get paid three X or five X for it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the yeah. same thing we discussed before in MLB. I agree with you. It sounds like it's worth a shot. I w- and I would think there would be more players in NFL who are great at NFL DFS who don't factor in game theory quite as much as MLB. I would think. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But. I don't know, but these are cash games. I still think I'm still going to play a cash lineup normally. Yeah, It's early in the season, so there's still enough dead money out there that I'm still probably going to do that. But then I'm going to make my tri- – essentially I'm making a head-to-head 50-50 double-up lineup, and then I'm making a triple-up quintuple-up lineup. Then I'm also going to be playing in three-mans and five-mans and doing that. And obviously let me take a look. Maybe I look at the triple-ups, and maybe other people are doing this. Maybe I look – and Utica is playing a different lineup in there. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe BK Reader is playing a different lineup in there. But if I go by the MLB stuff, they aren't. Because I know them in, in MLB, they don't. So like, and I, they're probably I, not because they have so much – especially on an NFL Sunday, they, those guys are going to have so much volume going on that they're not paying attention to those. Right, they're not paying attention to any of that. So like – so that that's I, – I thought there would be a lot more dead money – lineups in these double ups and there are in the massive stuff there are uh but in the small the 124s the 62s the 31s whatever uh not as much i mean there's still enough that on average it's still softer than any other sport mm-hmm. but maybe there's bit there's much more bigger edge in the triple ups that by by week by i could see myself by week eight or ten eight to ten that i'm not even playing the double up head-to-head lineup at all because i'm looking at my action and going okay kind of it is what it is. And I think I, I, I'd rather put that money in, in GPP or in the triple up stuff. Yeah. But I, it's much quicker this year. Last year, and years past, you go back to 2018, it was a joke, right? I was studying CSVs back in 2018. I'm like, wow. Like, it, the rake is being paid for, and then an extra 20% of lineups are, like, just donating to you. Back in those days, I was playing uh, with my brother when I would go over to watch basketball with him. He would make cash lineups. Uh, and he would rather than enter them in GAPPs, which I would suggest you should just do that. He would enter them in cash games that were just like no projection, nothing like that. Just like, all right, Timberwolves are playing. I'm going to play three Timberwolves, and then I'm going to have two of whoever they're playing against. And you know, and he do that, that, that for that double ups. Yeah, it was it was never a good idea. I tried to convince him to do this in GPPs, but uh, he didn't really care that much. It was, it was ten bucks to him. Yeah, but to, to me, to me, wouldn't it be more appealing to like try to win a hundred thousand than try to win ten bucks? I agree. I that's what I told him. <laughs> <laughs> and he had days where his his lineup would do better than all of my lineups, but uh, he never he never bought in and eventually just stopped playing. Okay, well you can't. But that was a little competition back in two thousand eighteen. And imagine two thousand before then, right? Two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen. I mean, like yeah. that's the Wild West days. Yeah. Uh, anything? Any anything else? I mean, I, I'm. I'm that's what that's all, all I had to really discuss. I mean, we come in with like no agenda, so it's like just we come in with no, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, today, I'm, I'm jam packed today with uh, showdown content. We got, I mean, we got the, the fun two gamers tonight, too, which I'm I so far have not been talking about. But, I hate, uh, I hate two game NFL slates. I hate them only because they take away from the showdown. Like, I just want them, I want two main showdown slates. I don't want to have to do this weird two gamer where it's, I don't know, you can't. 
I don't think that I have uh, have mastered these two game slates. I think that duplication is still a problem, but I haven't quite found a good way to research them because the CF CSV has never quite worked the way I want them to. I don't know. Uh, the so. two two game slates classic on a, for classic. Yeah, uh, it's much harder to, to to avoid duplication than showdowns because you don't yeah. have salary. You have to use more players in your lineup, and you don't have a salary multiplier that a captain right. spot. So, like truthfully, I'd rather the two game slate be a showdown with all four teams on it like yeah. that would be more interesting to me uh sure. but i still hey the more that the more that other people are going to duplicate the more edge there is the problem with the two game classics late it's also hard to find it's also hard to find it i'm mean, like right not Ty- typically uh in general or, or from my experience in studying the contests uh the the under owned type lineups are onslaughts overstacking yeah like completely like Thing to make to that make no sense. You're 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 doing something like you're playing Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, uh, Stefan Diggs, Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson Knox, and the Bills defense, and you're like, you're just, all of it. I just like yeah. give me like, all of it. it. It's impossible for that lineup to work out, and that's like the most EV lineup you can build because it's right. not actually impossible. It's yeah, right. And then because most people may have beats and pieces. But it's yeah. like, like, just give, give me all of it. And then get weird. Instead of playing Dawson Knox, you play their, their Tweeny, their second tight end, right? Yeah, yeah. Or in that lineup, you play everyone except for Diggs, right? And then instead of, you have money for Jefferson, but you plug in Thielen there. Yeah. So you're playing six Bills and their defense, but not Diggs or Jefferson, and you're playing Thielen, and you're leaving money, and you're playing two running backs from the same team also, yeah. right? And it's like if the Bills put up 45 points and Stefan Diggs, you know, only has 14, right, or has 14 only, maybe he's not optimal, and then yeah. Thielen has two touchdowns and Jefferson's has a pedestrian 6-for-80 game for him. Right. Yeah. Like, there you go, a, a lineup that left uh, you know, 4,400 on the table that has six of one team. Right? Two of the same running back. You look at the lineup and that's one of those things where just like with the Bengals' defense— what a fish! Can't believe the fish won. What a fishy lineup! It's like no, those 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 typically are the best types of lineup because very similar showdown where people are like, oh, I can't believe you played Leonard Fournette and White in the same lineup. It's like, right? Yeah, I did it because less people are doing it. Like, like that's because yeah, you don't think I should do it, right? Not enough people are doing it. Even yes, they're negatively correlated. I I get that, but yeah. the negative correlation is still. Not as much as the fact that not as many people are. If more people were doing it, then I wouldn't do it, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So if you're if you're playing a two game slate, I, this probably won't even you're probably not even listening to us. So I mean, this will come out maybe maybe you'll listen to this an hour before that slate. Uh, two game classic is same as showdown. Build your lineup. If you feel really good about it, throw it out. Yeah. And if you build your lineup and you leave thirty eight hundred on the table, and you're like, I can't believe I'm I'm taking a $20 bill and just burning it that now you press the submit button. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, so Neil, you're at player Q DFS on Twitter. You're right. And you're writing stuff. I can't believe are you're going to get sick of writing. I've been writing a lot lately. Luckily I I'm just doing showdown articles right now and I kind of use the same format for all of them. So it's super easy so far, but uh, yeah, I might get sick of writing. And then yeah, your co you're the, I always say co-host. I'm used to saying co-host. Host of the High Stakes Podcast. Can you can you give a glimpse of uh, any uh, upcoming guests? That, yeah, so, uh, so this week I'm going to have uh, 
no cane, no game on who uh, he's a very, very good player. He's a new up and coming player, but he's been crushing DFS uh, for the, for the past year. He's done really well. Uh, Alex actually pointed him out to me. It's like, Hey, do you know, do you know Kane? He's been absolutely crushing it in my Sims. He looks great. And I looked him up and I was like, yeah, this guy's really good at DFS. So nobody's heard of him. He has like 30 Twitter followers. I think he's at no cane, no game or something. I'll be tweeting about him to, to ask people if they have questions for him. Nobody's heard of him, but he's a, he's a great DFS player. So looking forward to talking to him. Any, any more people there lined up? Uh, yes, I have Jamie. Oh man. Jamie Steed, I think is his name. Oh yeah. Jay Steed. Yeah. No, I know. I know. Yep. I talked to him. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Jay Steed. Yep. So he, he's a, a new stochastic employee. Uh, <laughs> apparently he, they had signed him on to come on as an employee. He's going to be working on the tools with Alex and Steven, Sean, John, really smart guy, programmer. Um, but uh, right after, right, right before he was set to start working at Stochastic, he hit uh, uh, the Millie in baseball. Yeah. So they were all like, "Oh God, is he still going to come work for us?" Alex said this on on the on the contrary show. I think jokingly, but uh, like, is he not going to want to come work for us now that he hit a Millie? But no, he's a really nice guy. I talked to him after that, and he said he is uh, willing to come on. The he's going to have so. to change his logo on DK then. Oh, is it still not? Uh, it's not the Stochastic logo. Well, it used is to it? be the Rotogrinders logo. Oh, I think I might still have the Rotogrinders logo on. Uh, Oh, not on DK, on, on, on the Roto-Grandis site. Right, uh, I'm talking about on DK itself. Okay, yeah, I didn't, right. I didn't realize he had the, the Roto-Grandis logo. Yeah, I'll have to uh, see if he has changed that. Uh, maybe I'll bring it up on the show. And then I, I've talked to uh, S. Schaefer. Uh, I, I forget what it is. Sam Schaefer is his name. Another is, that what, is, that, is that Buffoon13? No, that's a different guy. Uh, okay. his, his screen name is like S. Schaefer11 or something like that. Okay. And he is, he's a top 100 player on Roto Grinders, great player. Okay. So some, some new people, some people that yeah, I'm, you I'm don't hear from. Some new people that people don't really know, but who I, I know are great DFS players. Uh, those are kind of the, the people I'm targeting. Hoping to have Pete Overzet on at some point. Um, because you have to, you have to have some bad players on every so often. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just got to have some Manage, manage some it out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, be, uh, I, I was hoping to, uh, to have Pete on both for uh, that. And I'm now in charge of booking uh, on the contrary as well, where, which I'm hosting on Fridays with Alex Baker and then a rotating guest as well. I was hoping to get Pete used to be a regular on that, but now he's uh, doing his own radio stuff on Friday morning. So we can't have Pete on, on the contrary anymore, but I was also uh, looking forward to talking to him on, on high right. stakes. Really sharp guy. Right. Unfortunately, you can't get me on that. Yeah, I can't get you. I, I have my own. I have my own on the contrary. Con- no, the thing is I have my own on the contrary show on Roto-Grinders. What's that called? Uh, the, uh, the Premium Game Theory Show. Okay, but it's yeah. it's only for premium. It's, it's a premium show on Friday. Me and, me and Tuttle do it. Member, so I'll have to check it out. Right, yeah. Me and Tuttle do it. And, but it's very similar to on... It's it, it's essentially... you know If you remember the Advanced Sports Analytics show that I did with Brandon Adams, mm-hmm. picture a mix of that plus on the contrary. It's like right in the middle. Of We're talking about stacks and correlation, but we're also talking about, okay... Barkley's going to be owned. How can we can we play Daniel Jones plus Sterling Shepard? Like, how do we take advantage of where to find leverage, where to find ownership, and what's going to be different, and the yeah. salary ranges, and running stuff through the tools and everything? So it's it's a very similar show, but uh, it's not free like like on the yeah. contrary. Or is this free? Right. And if I went over there, then uh, that 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 would be that would be a uh, against my independent uh, contract. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, although I was on the high stakes podcast, that's perfectly you were, fine. That was an right. exception. Right. Interviews and stuff like that is fine to be on yeah, competitor stuff. Right. But the, the whole thing with independent, like number one, I'm, I, people think I'm an employee. I'm not an, you are an actual employee of stuff. I am an employee. Yep. Right. I'm, I'm an independent contractor that 
gets paid by Roto Grinders to do, and I send them an invoice with all the stuff, and I get paid, and I'm regularly on the schedule. But uh, by my employment contract, basically is uh, that uh, if the contest exists on Roto Grinders, like I can't do it elsewhere, right? So it, yeah, it's yeah. The, right. So like this Roto Wire soccer stuff, I do, yeah. and I'm perfectly fine. there. I'm because. Roto Grinders doesn't do soccer shows. But if they did do soccer shows, I'd be doing the soccer shows. The fact that they don't want to put the money into doing a soccer show, that's not my problem. So I'm, right. I'm an independent contractor. I'll go to some other site. So like, yeah. say for this show, it's like, are, is there any show like this on Roto Grinders? Are you willing to pay me to do this show on Roto Grinders? If the answer is no, then I'm allowed to do it. I'm allowed to do whatever the fuck I want then. And that, yeah. and no ill will or anything like that. That's, Right. That's kind of the way it is. Same thing with you and this show, right? It's like yeah. this is not competing against anything. Yeah, I, I did. I asked for permission to to continue doing this show, and they were uh, they're they're allowing me to do it uh, with permission. So happy to be doing it. They basically left it up to me. If you want to keep doing it, you can keep doing uh, right. GFS. Right. They, they're not forcing you to do it. Right. They're like, no, I don't want to do it, but we want you to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No. Not forcing me. Okay. So hopefully the audio is good for the YouTube people this week. Uh, if it's not, go fuck yourself. It doesn't matter. Listen to the podcast. Why do people, what's the point of YouTube? It's just two of our we're faces. We're not that pretty. No, yeah. we're not. We're not that pretty. But uh, follow us on Twitter. Week three is coming up. We're here every week through the NFL season. Uh, maybe I'll get some uh, special guests in the middle of stuff. Like not on a Monday, but I mean, I, I've done that before. Like I have a Thursday episode with the... Something like, especially during NFL season, because all the numbers go up during NFL There's season. There's a lot of stuff, yeah. Right, like every day, like, like during the NFL season, like the downloads go like literally like five to ten times. Yeah. So I like trying to get in kind of the good stuff then. And then during, you know, the dog days of baseball or March and April or something like, but then it's just, because no one likes watching baseball because it's boring as fuck. <laughs> okay, uh, check out the tools as always. Watch the DFS pregame show on Roto Grinders and get the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports 15 hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com.